yeah have you heard of um i think they're called rishis in india i i have heard of uh i don't know how to say it but i i think it's rishi i've seen this word before uh it's an um oh okay that's an accomplished or enlightened person but what are the uh they get they they get like obtain like these quote unquote like powers if you will, like fucking think think Doctor Strange of Marvel. Okay. Yeah, 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 and that's where it starts to get into where you're just like we have no idea the capability of human beings. Let me see um, here. What? I'll do this down. And it's really it's really easy to dismiss things like this, but fuck, we don't know anything. And like the more that I realize I don't know anything, the more I'm open and, you know, still approach things with a very skeptical lens. But yeah, I think that's what you have to do. And there's a power in learning from all these different. um, There's a there's a power in learning from different cultures in regards to all these things. And how do you articulate it to a certain person or how do you understand Mm -hmm. it from a. I think is it, is it a Rishi? I, I thought a Rishi. Rishi mushroom. Rishi, a Rishi mushroom. Where did you go? Did I just lose it? Yeah. Went off screen. I don't know. Oh, where'd he go? Um, hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring up the the self realization of like God. I uh, actually finally in this last year of my life like spoke to a professional uh, therapist, and uh, I'd never done anything like that before. But I was finding myself just in a place where I was not uh, making, I was not, I was out of alignment with my thoughts and actions and I wanted to bring myself into more alignment um, to better integrate my personality um, and feel like I was essentially betraying myself less, like make better use of my time. So I was like, all right, let me just try to find somebody and talk to them. And uh, I did some research, found someone, uh, I liked what they like said about themselves essentially there's like a big list you can find it online of like different counselors therapists people you can talk to and uh you know so just gave someone a chance knowing full well that like maybe this person won't have the answers for me maybe they won't be able to help me but i'm gonna go in open to trying and uh they left me with uh some some interesting insights and i still talk to this person every once in a while i'm actually just finishing up a men's group uh with them now where i've been in like a small group of men who like come together once a week uh, just to talk about a variety of things and try to be vulnerable with each other. But uh, one of the big takeaways, two big takeaways, is that uh, everything, three big takeaways, <laughs> <laughs> everything is perfect. It's imperfectly perfect. Right now, this moment is perfect. It's just, because it is. It's, it is in all of its isness. It couldn't be any other way. And so it is. It's perfect. Now, I can, through my filters, determine that it's it's not perfect. I'm not... 195 pounds of solid lean tissue with a jujitsu black belt capable of leading this country to an age of enlightenment and fruition. Uh, but wow, you're not, Fucking not, pussy. not yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, just it'll, it'll Sorry, you're getting vulnerable. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, please do it. I like it. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is actually perfect right now. It's perfect. And you can like, if you start to resist that, you're just creating resistance for no reason. Uh, I'm always doing my shitty best. And I'm always remembering who I actually am. And so I always try to bring myself back to those three things and that remembering who you actually are. And I think he only gave me this because I told him as much that I've had some pretty powerful experiences in my life uh, through 
uh, some psychedelic uh, experiences of feeling, actually feeling that like in a tangible way, the oneness of everything and almost losing sight of where I end and everything begins and actually feeling that. Uh, and so he, he gave me this, this other one, this, this remembering, this self-realization that you are God, you are a part of the divine within you. And it's actually the basis of our whole like system of law, you know, innocent before proven guilty comes from a, an underlying concept of like, there is a divine spark within you. You are God. All of this is or in the mind of the divine, and we are manifestations of it. And so whenever you remember that, it can become easy. All of your problems can become a little bit less. It doesn't make them not, you know, shit still sucks, and that's okay. But this, we're, we're living at some scale of existence uh, that we are essentially God, you know, and you can prove that to yourself. You can, because you're manifesting your life, you're manifesting reality, you're creating. Um, it becomes a little bit more apparent when you're a, a parent and you literally watch the act of creation. Um, it can just be difficult to see because we are right now and we can like, things seem really significant to us, but like at a smaller scale, you know, in your inside of your body right now, your immune system, right? There's cells who are perceiving and interpreting and fighting. And there's a war happening. There's chaos within you right now. This disharmony, this craziness, so that at a greater scale, there's harmony. There's a healthy human being sitting in front of me that isn't, you know, actively dying. <laughs> um, but at that smaller scale, there's this disharmony. But then you get to see it in your own life we're at our scale of existence. There's also disharmony. There's wars and atrocities and terrible, terrible things occurring. And they suck. There's no denying it. You know, when you, someone you love dies or gets hurt, it's terrible. You know, if you punch me in the face, it's going to hurt. I'm not going to be happy about it. But also, probably, I believe, at a greater scale, all of that needs to be happening for the harmonious nature of the universe, for this greater being you know it's almost like we are cells within something much larger do you find that that can be a well it can certainly be that how do you move forward with this idea of okay if everything's perfect right now why should i do anything what's the point of action because you can make it better because you're aware that you that things could get better because you're aware that things can be worse it, it does not ride at a neutral level. Yes, everything is as it is, but you can still recognize that th there's like things, there are things that aren't good. There are things that could be improved. And so we're trying to create heaven here on earth. And so, yeah, I get what you're saying, by the way. It's, it's an interesting like point, but for someone to say, well, then let's just do nothing. It's like, all right, see, see how that gets you. See where you get with that. Like, why don't you let that play out for a week? See how your kitchen looks. See how your body feels. Why don't you let it play out for a year? Come back to me. Tell me how you feel. You know, you've done nothing. If you've you sat around. You feeling good? Yeah? Okay. Cool. It's like, no. Because things fall apart. 
and we're creators. We are we're divine beings. We're capable of putting things back together. We're creator. We're capable of bringing a little bit of order to this chaos. And we should, and we can. It's interesting. I, I feel like I got a glimpse of perspective from the way that you answer that, in regards to. Like the way I used to view the idea of everything is perfect was like, okay, there's not that there's not other stuff we need to do, but just this idea of like, well, how can you say that when there's all these terrible things happening? And in, the way you answer that invited in this perspective of everything is exactly where it needs to be according to every decision that mankind has made up to this point. It's perfectly orchestrated. And where you come in the picture is like, okay, now that you know that, you get to influence where this perfection goes. Mm -hmm. Do we go closer to heaven or towards hell? Mm -hmm. Make your choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, us, us spending time basically complaining isn't a fruitful exercise. You know, so describing all the ways that things aren't perfect doesn't really help change it. There, there is definitely something to identifying a problem. Um, that's like half of the battle, but just complaining about it, like cultivating that victim mindset of like, oh, woe is me. Like I can't, you know, feeling powerless because problems feel too big um, and just bitching about them. It's not doing anything good for you or for, for anything else. Um, and so through radical acceptance... Uh, you can come to realize that like you're exactly where you need to be. And from here, you can make conscious steps forward in a direction that aligns more to you. You can start to align your thoughts with your actions um, and become an integrated being. And this seems deeply woven into what we were talking about in regards to like our breath. Mm -hmm. If you're living in this, and like even if, you want to articulate that the world isn't perfect, right? Like there's shit we can do to make it better. If you act as though everything that has occurred is perfect, it helps bring you back to that state of peace that we were talking about where mm. your, your nervous system isn't activated, mm -hmm. where you are calm. So now you can make a calm decision as opposed to uh -huh. fuck the world. All this terrible shit's happening. Why is all this terrible shit happening? There's bad people in it. Because even if you have the most righteous viewpoint of the entire world, if you're acting from that place of fuck everybody, yeah, you're not going to create a virtuous world. Yeah, fucking amen, damn. That's a that's a beautiful tie back. Because uh, you're exactly right. You know, this like I can see I can see the appeal of nihilism. You know, like fuck everything. I've gone through that before. Uh, but it's not helping. The black pill. You know, it's not helping. Uh, and do you like? You might say, "Well, I want to watch the world burn. Everything's shit, so let it let's let it go to shit." It's like, okay, Satan. <laughs> like, sure. It, that's just realize what you're actually saying. You know, you're now encouraging things to get worse for more people to suffer, and that doesn't have to be the case. Instead, we can try our shitty best to create more of heaven here now. We can bring ourselves first, ourselves into a state of regulation, into a state of calm. And from that place, when I feel good inside, I create goodness outside. 
I fill my own cup first. Now that's not, I'm not selfishly just doing things just for me to benefit no one else. I'm filling my own cup, bringing myself into a state of calm to inner peace as often as I can so that I am permeating goodness so that other people then feel good around me and recognize that they can also create goodness around them. And that's kind of what Tub Club is. like, And that's the point of it for me is to give people this example, this experience. You know, it's not a theory. You're not reading it and learning it. You're actually experiencing yourself move through this stress to calm. You're giving yourself this example inside yourself of moving from chaos to some order or at least accepting the chaos as it is and letting it diminish maybe just slightly. But you get to feel that and that's going to permeate out into the rest of your life. Mm. Um, Yeah. And I bet there's also a parallel here between you you and your daughter and her the chaos that maybe she's bringing into the world just because she has no idea how to operate in this mm-hmm. room oh we're all bringing chaos yeah and then this is this ever-growing process of figuring out how you're able to create order within that chaos do you see that that's a active piece of being a parent a little bit, yeah. I I don't know shit about being a parent quite yet. Um, <laughs> there's there's some really scary elements of just like I can't control her life, you know, and so she's gonna have to go through things basically by herself, and I can just support her as best I can, but she will have to go through things and learn them herself, and I can try to help her find um, a good path. But yeah, she's uh, unlimited potential right now. She is just chaos a ball of chaos that she can then bring order to to take that infinite potential and bring it into you know some type of manifested form that creates something here you know whatever that may be i don't know what that'll be yet Um, and i'm sure it'll change over time just as it is for you just as it is for me um that's the sad story of like the coming of age man is like you know it's really cute to have unlimited potential when you're in your teens or even your early 20s and it's a lot less cute when you're a 40 year old uh and you're still like well i could be anything it's like okay well currently you're not anything yeah i think there was a saying that i read which was like you can oh what was it it was like you can be anything you want to be but you can't be everything Mm -hmm. you can be anything you want to be but you can't be everything that you want to be now you can be everything you want to be but you cannot you can be anything you want to be but you can't be everything yeah and to be totally on like that's one of my main struggles through life uh even now i have to like constantly just bring myself back to like okay how much are you stretching yourself too thin like Mm. you're trying to reach out into too many different directions right now um make a hard decision and sacrifice something and that's always hard um, but it's it's the game. I experienced that a lot when I was living in San Diego, Neverland as I call it. I was 
I was stretching myself so thin. I was trying to be a DJ. I was doing jujitsu. I was playing beach volleyball. I had my nine to five. I feel like there was something else also in that, in that mix. I was considering starting a podcast back then Mm -hmm. and it came back to, it's coming back to exactly what you're saying. It's like, how many things can you really put on your plate at a time? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's this interesting corollary because I do believe that there is power in doing that, in having a lot of things on your plate, having different things on your plate. Mm-hmm. But I think it gets to a point where you need to realize which things are truly nurturing, nurturing you and your soul and the bigger picture, as opposed to just, oh, I'm just going to do all these things because they're just fun to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I started segmenting it off. It's like, okay, volleyball and jujitsu. I love doing both of them, but which one is maybe more long lasting and, and even more so they're in the same category. And I saw it as the same category of exercise. Mm -hmm. So why are you doing each one of these? Yeah. Volleyball. Oh, it's to hang out with friends and to be around friends. Jujitsu is something you actually purely enjoy. Of course I had friends in jujitsu, Sure, but Mm -hmm. that was more nurturing to my soul. And so it was like, all right, let's make the trade off, invest this energy into jujitsu and watch how much better you can become. Yeah. And how did, how did that feel after you made that decision? And started walking down that path. I was more energized in other aspects of life. I had more energy to put into other things that I wanted to do. I was more empowered, if you will, into those other things. But I think it was also a very long process. I I wasn't very conscientiously making that decision at the time. Mm -hmm. It was more something looking back on it. Like, I got to stop doing something here. Mm-hmm. Something's about to give. I have to pick which one of those things. Because here's the thing. If I don't pick which one gives, they both give. Yeah. They both fall out from under you. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. So it's one of those things where if you don't make a choice, then the world's going to choose for you. Yeah, it fucking will. Mm-hmm. But that's the cool thing about being a person is you get to choose your sacrifice. You know, you have to for exactly what you just said, or it'll be chosen for you. And it's probably not going to be what you want, you know, or what's optimal for you. You're sitting um, here like it's volleyball or jujitsu and the universe is like, mm, or it could be neither. Yeah. How about your knees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about your heart? Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. It'll, um, it'll take you some, it'll take, uh, take the life out of you if you will. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I still want to find um, the special power, the name of the special powers. Oh yeah. The, uh, the Rishi, uh, well, a Rishi the people is a, who are the practitioners, aren't they? Yeah. So like here it says a, a Rishi is a sage or a seer who is semi divine being gifted with insight, sacred knowledge, and special powers. Most famous are the seven Rishis, the Brahmans to whom the Vedas were revealed. This is all Hindu mm-hmm. stuff. Um, the Vedas are like their ancient, the most ancient text, I believe, of theirs. I might be wrong on that, so don't quote me. The entire corpus of sacred texts. Oh, wait, it had it right here. <laughs> the entire corpus of sacred text, beginning with the Rig Veda, was orally passed on to humans, and even today is recited by Vaidika Brahmans, who considered the original seven as role models. Both the idea of the seven and several individualists were called Rishis and known in the Rig Veda and Atharve, Atharve Veda, but the general accepted list of seven names did not occur until centuries after in the Brihamaranyaka Upanishad and the Sutras. 
but I want to know the name of the special powers. Is it CDs? <gasps> Here it is. Miraculous feats. CDs. CDs? CDs. Yeah. Ooh, we found it. All right. The signal features of the Rishi were the gift of spiritual insight and his conduct of extraordinary aestheticism by means of Tapa's powerful austerities the rishi attained superhuman status rivaling the gods miraculous feats cds were accomplished including the ability to change shape become invisible or fly through the air mm. various cds and the role of rishi continued to be important later in tradition of yoga buddhism and jainism by the seventh century the upanishads directed spiritual insight and power right like sacrifice because, dude, in that in that book, in uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, there's parts where he talks about how his guru would physically manifest in front of him out of nowhere. Hmm. And his guru would be sitting there like, hey, uh, I'm going to be late. And be like you. Like, he'd be like, hey, uh, I'm going to be late on this train and, <laughs> um, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Paramahansa sitting there like, this isn't you. He's like, yeah, touch my hand. It's me. And so he would touch his hand. And he'd be like, dude, this is you. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how do I actually know this is you? He's like, well, whenever I get off the train, there's going to be this, this, and this. And then he like goes through, gets to the train at the right time. And like, cause he was like on a, the wrong train or something. And so then he goes to the other train and then all those fucking things happen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh, you got my message. And he's like, yeah, you were fucking talking to me. <laughs> like you were floating in midair. Yeah. Right? Dude, it is a crazy, and that's only like one of the fucking things in there. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's very easy to dismiss these things, but we don't fucking know. Uh, there are stories of astral projection throughout history, um, let alone, you know, some of these other abilities. Uh, and we don't live in a society that is exploring the inner world. And if we were, I think we would feel a lot different about some of these uh, abilities. And it would be really curious to spend the next hundred years of our existence really exploring uh, the inner world, really seeing what happens uh, in a society that promotes health and promotes inner growth. You know, if we were learning how to truly meditate, if you will, how to create relaxation in schools and teaching people how to sit with themselves and how to let go of things that are weighing them down, how to forgive themselves, how to get to the deepest levels of their being, who knows what we could unlock? The um, way I see it, man, is that our generation is the generation that is going to be taking out the, taking out's a strong word, mm -hmm. but at least starting to implement those things. Yeah. Really bring deeper awareness to it, more transform Western culture into that. I, I see it as a potential, I guess I should say. It's really up to us at mm -hmm. an individual level if I'm going to do the work, if you're going to do the work, mm -hmm. listeners of the podcast, if you're going to do the work, you know? So it really, in my opinion, is going to be, it's our choice, but I see that as like, that's our big feat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's happening. There's, it's, there's a great awakening happening right now. Um, you see it just like, I get to see it. I have the honor of seeing it with like the attendance of Tub Club. You know, which is nuts. Dude. Yeah. How weird, how weird of a thing it is to come and like do breath work and like be around people. A lot of people you don't know and to sit in ice water, just objectively like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Dude, well, the three tubs, the barrel and a mega tub. Yeah. Remember when it was just one? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, 
But so there is this great awakening happening. There are a lot of people who are starting to feel their own power to create a better world um, and are recognizing that the systems, a lot of the systems that are in place aren't serving them or the people that they love. Um, Mm. And so the more that people can start to master themselves and start to build a good relationship with themselves, the better they start to build relationships with their community, their family, their friends. Uh, And then we start to create heaven on earth because we're starting to do things that are impactful and powerful for our own health and well-being uh, rather than like hating our neighbors and shaming our neighbors and you know thinking that our neighbor is the enemy uh, you know and there seems to be two two maybe more but it seems to be two separate occurrences happening where there's a portion of the population that are willingly putting their heads further down into the sand to fortify their trust in organizations that aren't serving them, that don't care about them. And there's another swath that are starting to poke their heads up and starting to see that they're in Plato's cave, if you will, you know, that so much of it is an illusion and that as they emerge into the sunlight, there is abundance all around them that they can feel love. Um, but again, those are scary things because once you feel love, you feel it can be taken from you. Yeah, that's a tricky piece of it too. Yeah. Once you have something, you know it can be taken away or it can be disappeared mm-hmm. or transformed into something else. Yeah, and then you have to grapple with that fear uh, because that fear can control you if you're not careful. Any fear. I mean, and I think that's a huge thing that Hub Club promotes or just even getting into an ice bath in general mm-hmm. promotes, which is being able to wrestle with fear. Yeah. That's right. Every single time you're proving something to yourself and you're proving it at a cellular level. You're proving it at this innermost level because you're overcoming something. You're transcending uh, suffering, basically. You're transcending suffering. You're, you are communicating to yourself that I'm greater than this, mm-hmm. or at least that this isn't something I need to fear. Mm-hmm. It's okay to suffer. Yeah. There's more of you than the suffering that you will face. You know, it can be easy to feel like, oh, little old me, like, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of a little guy. I've been afraid of the cold my whole life. Uh, Getting into ice water was one of the more terrifying things, uh, one of the bigger struggles that I've done. I used to interpret, I had this misinterpretation, but it was real for me um, when I would, you know, I told you I dealt with a lot of social anxiety, and that was uh, amplified if it was cold out. If I was cold at all, even Mm. inside of a building, if I was cold, uh, I would feel a little shivery and I would feel a little uncomfortable. And then inside me, the interpretation through my nervous system then told me that I was uncomfortable, which told me that I was anxious, which told me I was out of place, which told me I didn't fit in, which told me all of these unhelpful things. And so just starting to change that conversation and proving to myself time and time again that I'm okay, you start to feel okay in more and more situations. Um, Yeah. It's just been a cool, like, getting rid of weakness grow, you know, as fungi would say. (laughs) It is interesting how there's that, you can have that feedback from the world and then it causes you to spiral or have certain Mm -hmm. thoughts. 
oh i'm physically cold it's not like and then your mind starts going to the fact that i'm weird and nobody likes me Mm -hmm. it's like just because Mm -hmm. it's cold outside yeah yeah the spiral the the cascading (laughs) like unhelpful thoughts you know just going crazy i i can actually understand psychosis to a degree like of just how consumed you can become like in your own shit man that's a big thing i talk to people a lot about on this podcast is the difference between like crazy like how do you know you're not crazy yeah that's i you should get a partner um i think that's actually in a big way i think that's the point of marriage or at least partnership hmm. because you, you can't it's very i think it's very maybe you can't maybe can't is too too strong of a word but uh i think it's very difficult to know that you're not crazy by yourself um and so finding a partner can give you this confirmation that you're not crazy or at least even if you are because i think maybe we all are a little bit crazy right uh um like sanity comes about from community it comes about from that union of two um and as long as your weaknesses don't like exponentially exacerbate each other uh it's likely that you will as a union be like a single sane thing uh or you can at least you at least have somebody to test your craziness with mm -hmm, yeah before acting it out in the world mm -hmm. like hey is this too off the wall like ideally a marriage or a partner is some someone that will be truthful with you right um which can suck sometimes <laughs> a little too truthful <laughs> wonderfully truthful <laughs> um, i love you all that you're so perfectly direct <laughs> um, oh that's too funny but uh no, but I think that's a beautiful view way to view it because I, you know, I'm still grappling with the idea of marriage. I, I have a pretty a good idea that I will at some point, but I don't, you know, who knows mm-hmm. at the biggest level. But I do always think that's a important. The why, why do we have these things? Mm-hmm. I think there's a a huge element of the culture and society today that just wants to uproot everything get rid of it because it's all old and the people are old who put it in place so what do they know they know nothing mm. i know everything i've been alive for 20 25 years totally. they were man fuck them i you know they, they didn't know what they were talking about yeah. i know what i'm talking about and so i think it it's always it's always very beneficial to identify what the why is yeah why does this exist why was it put into existence in the first place and then once you identify what that why is, then you can judge whether or not the entire thing that was created from that why is valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the the phrase throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it's like, okay, maybe the bathwater is pretty filthy and you need to get rid of the bathwater, but like, don't throw the baby out the window too. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, what do they, is it postmodernism? Um, it's like this kind of Marxist ideal, like, it's exactly what you were just saying. I heard about it, but I uh, there's a term that. for it. I think it's postmodernism, uh, which is essentially just like I know everything because I'm here now, and all of these traditions and all of these like things that have been passed down are worthless, uh, and they're all rooted in something bad. We're gonna call them racist. We're gonna call them sexist. We're gonna call them transphobic. We're gonna call them whatever we need to call them so that we identify them as bad. Uh, and it's like whoa, 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 whoa. Now. I just had an example actually of this, like a tradition that I don't want to embody for my family, which is, you know, the circumcision. Maybe there is a point that someone 
like arrived at and why that's been handed down. But I don't think that that's a good idea. So that's me breaking away from tradition to almost I'm playing devil's advocate on myself right now. I'm breaking away from tradition because I don't think that that's a good idea just based on my own interpretation of the world uh, as it stands right now. However, to throw everything out uh, isn't helpful either. To think that I can reinvent the wheel isn't going to give me a good wheel. You know, I'm making life much harder for myself. Um, yeah, something that just came to me. I, I pulled up the definition of postmodernism. We'll get to that in a second. But since you brought up the circumcision, an idea that just came to me, and I'll see how you feel about this, is that a, a reason for it, right? We were talking about how it makes sex less pleasurable. There could be utility in that in the sense that we don't get lost in our primal instincts of sex for fun, you know, because that's a huge learning curve. I've shared this so many times on the podcast. That was a huge learning curve in my life that mindless one night stand sex is it's difficult to obtain, but it doesn't mean that it's valuable. Wow. What a great point. And it's, I got that from uh, Joe Rogan and Chris Williamson. Check shout out to those guys. Come on the podcast if you're listening. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it, but it's it was one of those things that I realized. You know, it took me a little bit, but had sex been even more pleasurable? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. Would I have you could become addicted. Sooner? Would I have would I have become addicted? Which is mm-hmm. a great point, right? So, if I'm playing devil's advocate when it comes to circumcision, I, I don't know. The question is, would I have figured that out quicker, or would I have found myself into the addiction had it been more pleasurable? Yeah. And then, you know, from the individual level, what does that look like across society? You know, are more people, we don't know, but would more people become too primally addicted to sex, if you will? But I still, I I disagree with that. I think, you know, you can learn to manage yourself and regulate yourself. I mean, there's lots of things that feel amazing out here that we have to grapple with at all times. So agree yeah right cocaine oh my god heroin. sugar being like a huge huge one you know just to not eat shit all the time i mean there's experts who have designed food to be maximally addictive uh, and you have to contend with that in this modern world and even more so i mean it could increase your like if you have that heightened pleasure perception it could increase your power at some level because if it's more powerful then there could be a level of increased like if like if it's more pleasurable it could increase your power if it's more pleasurable you have an increased sense of sexual energy within you if you have an increased level of sexual energy within you it gives you more energy to control Mm. if you're more able to control it then you can be a greater force in the world Mm. this is a completely hypothetical that i'm just Mm. thinking about yeah it's it's an interesting point nonetheless yeah Let's get some studies done on that. Yeah. Somebody study that. Some long-term like sex pleasure versus achievement type. I don't well, know. I yeah. do know. I, <laughs> I do know the more that I have regulated <laughs> my sex pleasure, that more I have achieved physically, whether it's in the gym, mm-hmm. whether it's with my podcast, whether it's with self-discipline, whether mm-hmm. it's with meditating. I know for sure that there's a attestment to the idea of withholding sex and even ejaculation for that matter mm-hmm. and being able to 
manifest in the world and i think this even probably ties back to christian doctrines of and probably others of like no sex until marriage Mm -hmm. because it teaches you and again i'm not do whatever you guys want i'm just i think that whenever you are able to achieve that level of self-mastery you're mastering your internal energies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think if you're able to do that there's nothing more powerful in the world that's all you're able to teleport it's all you're able to fly that's how you can create things out of midair. And I think mind control is even like a thing that's in the book. You don't have to go read the autobiography of a yogi, but you can't do that if you're out of control with your energies. Yeah. If your energies are scattered to the wind, it's like, then you're nothing. You're as weak as can come. Yeah. There's nothing for you, us to grapple with here. I can't, we can't interact. I, I, I might actually be afraid to interact with you because I have no clue what you're going to do. It's like a wild animal just mm-hmm. going to be on whatever energy flows in their body they're going to act upon yeah whatever god takes them over this is going to be their you know to go back to the romans at the beginning of this podcast yeah whatever idea whatever feeling takes them over becomes their truth and how dare you question their truth their current in the moment truth which brings us back to the postmodernism. Um, let me uh, read this so we're all on the same page and i think you were pretty close to what it was with your description Postmodernism is an intellectual stance or mode of discourse characterized by skepticism towards the quote grand narrative quote oh quote quote grand narratives end quote of modernism rejection of epistic certainty or stability of meaning oh that's dangerous and sensitivity to the role of ideology in maintaining political power claims to objectivity are dismissed as naive realism with attention drawn to the conditional nature of knowledge claims within particular historical political and cultural discourses the postmodern outlook is characterized by self refernatality refernatality refer refernatality self-referential self-referentiality nice nice i don't think i've ever seen that word written before um epistemological relativism moral relativism pluralism irony what the fuck um so basically yeah it's basically saying that we can't take anything as a truth because it is all predicated on something that's occurred before Mm -hmm. that's a wild way to think yeah to give for whatever reason, I always feel like the it's necessary to give some credit to to ideas before I, I go after them. But like, yeah, we we don't know where a lot of ideas come from um, in the modern world that we live in, and we're all just living through filters from like experience and knowledge handed down to us. Uh, and a lot of it could be wrong. A lot of it could be not serving us well. Um, and so we have to be careful again not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but to clean the bath. Mm. Uh, and so in that lens, I think it's appropriate to be skeptical and to question these like truths, these traditions that are handed down to us, but also like we're fucking here right now in a society that's functioning. There's been a functioning society before us and that's not as common as I think we like to believe, uh, like the basic state of human existence has been like. There's really powerful people who have enslaved many, many others. Uh, 
And that's what it will slip back into if we're not careful. If we start to throw the baby out with the bathwater, we will be throwing away our freedom uh, because freedom is hard. It is, it's scary to be personally free. Um, the weight of the world falls upon you and it's heavy. Uh, and people just want, they don't want that. They, they want to be comfortable. They want to have this illusion of comfort. And so they rest in this illusion uh, and let daddy take care of them uh, because it's hard. But then their lives suffer for it. They suffer more big picture, long term. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what's what's sticking out to me here as you were even talking there is like, we need a foundation to stand on. Like we need something concrete to agree, like to agree upon, Mm -hmm. right? Like we got to have some sort of social construct between us. Like otherwise nothing works. Mm -hmm. If everything's just chaotic energy, there's no way Mm -hmm. for us to interact. So at some level, right? Like we need a foundation. The issue I'm seeing with postmodernism, at least this description, is that they're saying, no, completely get rid of that foundation yeah, because it's all wrong. And I think the more accurate way is like, okay, let's realize there's a foundation and let's take the piece of postmodernism that says, okay, let's examine the foundation. Where in the foundation are the whys for the pillars that we've erected in society? And let's look at the reason that we have erected such pillars. Maybe there's some pillars we can change. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some we have to completely get rid of. Maybe there's some that could be replaced. Maybe there's some that we put too many in one area of the foundation. But yeah, man, it's I think it's very dangerous if we want to go to a place of, okay, every moment before this moment right now doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing means anything. Good luck. How do you orient? How would you even orientate yourself in the world? You just become a slave to energy. Yeah, and and to influence. Yeah, and whoever can be the most charismatic person, right? Would it be that? I mean, yeah. You if you can't if you don't have a foundation to stand on, you're looking for one. Like, it's like everyone's religious. Some people know they're religious, and some people don't. But everyone's religious. Everyone acts according to some belief system inside, uh, and your actions are your beliefs. And it's like, well, why are you? making those actions do you know like do you know the ideology you're following and you know once you become aware of that to bring it back to that inner feeling of awareness like is that in line with what matters to you does it make you feel weak does it make you feel lesser does it make you feel out of sorts do you even know what it feels like not to feel weak um and have you made a decision that's made you feel stronger and can you make more of those decisions and grow from that foundation um, cause yeah, you're just gonna like wreck a foundation and have nothing to stand on. And then you'll stand on anything that anyone gives you that just sounds good. Or if they say it, uh, enthusiastically enough, you know, or, or you're even, or if you even have an orientation towards short-term pleasure over long-term pleasure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's the big one, right? Food you want. I'll totally. take care of your medical bills. Yeah. I'll do it for you. Oh, okay, cool. Like the short-term pleasure on that is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Scale it out over 10 years, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. You're fucked. And even, what was I thinking about? Oh, going back to that religious piece you were talking about, Paramahansa has a book called uh, The Purpose of Religion, I think, or The um, Scientific Purpose, of, something like The Scientific Purpose of Religion. And in a simple way, he says that the religion is essentially our pursuit 
to get away from suffering and obtain bliss. I'm not saying all religions do it perfectly. I like that. But I think that's the core concept. That's the foundation that religion is built upon. Mm -hmm. Is how do we limit the suffering in our life and invite in more bliss? Mm -hmm. What do you need to do? Well, Christian said, look at the Ten Commandments. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't kill. You know, I don't have them all memorized. But you follow these things. Patanjali has the yamas and niyamas, Mm -hmm. which I try to follow to the much of my accord. And what I always tell people is like, man, like if you're struggling to meditate, start adopting like the Ten Commandments. Start following like the niyamas and niyamas. Mm -hmm. Because this is how you get into deeper places of meditation is stop doing shit that causes you distress. Stop doing shit that like makes you jittery or shit that you have to contemplate or think about whenever you are in a space of calmness. Cause that's, in my opinion, that's the easiest place to become calm. Stop doing stuff that makes you uncalm. Yeah. Stop doing stuff that makes you feel lesser, that makes you feel weak, it, which is harder, strangely harder than it sounds. You know, I using cannabis as an example, I used to smoke sometimes before like going to some events and it's like, it was never a good idea. It does not make me more articulate. It does not help me connect better. Um, and yet I would still do it. Um, and, it, and, you know, you do it in this weird, like, self-betraying way. And there would often there would be this element to it that would be like, after doing it, oh, no, what have I done? And then, you know, and then you just, well, you're in it now. And you mm-hmm. got to run with it. Uh, and for some reason that one time isn't enough and you have to you know really take some time to learn that lesson and hopefully learn that lesson because there's definitely people who don't learn that lesson and i'm still learning that lesson in various ways through my life with different uh tools different substances um you know even coffee you know like if you're heavily caffeinated all the time like is that serving you you know if you're drinking uh, an energy drink at 6 p.m to get through the rest of your shift and you need to go to bed at 9 30 like you're you're making yourself less you're sacrificing your long-term health for a short-term outcome that yeah it you know maybe you need it right now but it probably would be better to suffer through to embody this necessary suffering uh and let yourself get better sleep so you feel more rested the next day yeah there was a a girl I had on Odyssey, I just talked about her, Odyssey number 84 with Carolina, Caroline Gutierrez. And she, her, like her favorite quote is that you are the medicine. And it ties back to what you're saying with Ohm. It ties into this conversation right here. Yeah. Wow. Where you're, you're giving your power away to cannabis, to Advil, to Aleve versus you are the medicine. You have all of those potential remedies within you you might not know the tools and that's a whole nother process in itself finding the tools finding someone to give you the tools but you have all the tools within you yeah you heal from the inside you you know the the drugs that you're given in a hospital don't heal you they might alleviate pain they might quell symptoms which maybe give you an opportunity to better like heal faster or to just be in a place of calm if you can't bring yourself to that place of calm if the symptoms are too great but you are the one that heals you know oh i read this good book becoming animal fairly recently that gave a description of a shaman uh who 
he would use they tied in like magicians to shamanic uh practices cool. like sleight of hand and how like some uh medicine men shamans will use sleight of hand in healing rituals you know so they used an example of a, a woman who was suffering and you know had some type of sickness something was going on with her she lived in a village and you know she was really down bad and uh you know he went and he performed this like ritual around her and at one point during the ritual he appears to like be touching her body and then as he pulls his hand away there's like this bleeding dark mass that's in his hand you know and it's done deliberately for her to kind of catch it and see that he's pulled something from her now it's likely just like uh you know a part of an animal that he brought and had on his person you know and he's using sleight of hand he's using this illusion to show that he's removed this thing from her so that then she believes that the the sickness has been taken from her and she starts to get better because she believes that she's going to get better she believes that something has been removed from her and that healing happens from within because she is her own medicine. You know, and you can also be your own poison. If you start to really believe that you are not well, you're not well and you're not going to be well. But if you start to believe that you are healing, guess what? You're going to heal. It's a really significant percentage of what happens is your belief of it. Uh, like, and that's the placebo effect. And we just call it this thing, the placebo effect, which totally weakens what that actually is. Like, your ability to believe something and make it real. You know, taking a sugar pill and having your disease go away because you thought that you were taking something that would make it go away. Like, it just demonstrates the true power within you to heal. You know, you start to believe something and your cells work for you. How does this, it feels like this touches into postmodernism then, of this idea that if I believe that this thing is true, then it's true. But it's not everything. There's still concrete reality. You know, maybe these rishis can fly, but if you go, and you jump off the roof of your house. I just don't think it's going to happen for you. Going to hit the cement pretty I don't, hard. Yeah, I don't know what, what level you need to create inner calm uh, and find equanimity and release from material <laughs> attachments to make that occur. But uh, it's likely not right now, no matter how strongly you tell yourself you believe it. You know, how much of it is you telling yourself you believe something versus actually believing something that even gets to like what is belief because people say they believe something but in in my experience and what i have come to know as true is beliefs are how you act in the world it's not what you say you can say a whole bunch of bullshit you can say a whole bunch of beautifully sounding uh words uh that say how good of a person or whatever you are but how are you acting that's your belief. What are you actually doing? That's your belief. You demonstrate your belief through actions. And I think you, I know that you, you said something important there, which is like your release of material desires. Oh yeah. Just like, you know, the tangent of like, well, 
you know, I'm thinking from the lens of like uh, deep meditation practices, like just trying to entertain what it would take to let yourself actually float into the air, you know, to be so unattached uh, that you, you know, that gravity no longer has the same effect on you, I guess. You know, I don't know. It seems pretty objective from where I sit. Uh, well, but. I do think that there's a corollary there. And I know I've experienced this a lot in terms of where the root of suffering lies. And to me, it usually lies in material pursuits. Mm-hmm. Getting with that next girl, having more money, um, trying to please another person, trying to obtain a certain benchmark for your podcast or certain numbers. That pursuit of material items i wonder if there's an underlying connection here with postmodernism because if if you want to sit here and say that this moment is no longer representative the ideas that we are constructing in this moment are not valid because of everything that has ever happened in the past because it came from someone who's in the past and they're not living in this moment therefore it's not legitimate i wonder if subconsciously there's some sort of attachment to the material world that is acting through that thought process. Because if you weren't attached to the material world, you would not, in essence, care that the foundation that our society is predicated upon would have you wouldn't care that the foundation that our society is predicated upon would have been from what people had said in the past. I'm playing with a new idea here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to let it resonate. Um, Sometimes you gotta let something marinate for a moment. Excuse our silence. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm probably going to let myself think about that through through the rest of the day. Um, it, it gets silly, though. Like, you know, I remember a, a show, an animated show I really loved, actually, uh, that, that touched on this really well. It was Avatar The Last Airbender, the original. Oh, probably one of the best animes in the world. Legendary, dude. Period. Legendary. Um, and uh, at one point, uh, the Avatar Aang, he is working through his like energy centers, his chakras with a guru, and he arrives at this last one, uh, which is like the cosmic energy, and he needs to relinquish all attachment uh, to the world in order to achieve uh, this like perfect state of uh, empowerment. But in that, he has to relinquish his love for someone that he now loves. He has to let that go. He can't be attached to it Katara. because... Yeah, in that attachment is suffering. Um, and, you know, this is talked about through, you know, scriptures and through Buddhism and such, like the, what you just said, you know, our attachment to things does create suffering. However, and I guess this is like me talking out loud, obviously, like what the fuck do I know, by the way, guys? Uh, I'm just a 33-year-old man who's still figuring this shit out as I go. <laughs> um, but like, goddamn, the most beautiful things in my life are things that have that I'm attached to. Uh, you know, the love for my wife and children, 
um, the the freedom that I get from the country that I have been born in. Uh, you know, I'm attached to these things, and they have given me some of the richest sources of pleasure. And granted, they also give me some of the most uh, the the greatest sources of potential pain and anxiety too. Um, but without any of that, would it all just be bland? Would there be nothing? Would I have? I don't know. Would do you then transcend? Like if you relinquish all attachment and you transcend that suffering, does it open itself back up to you? I don't know. Uh, you know, can you get yourself to essentially a higher plane that then you can freely choose to attach yourself if you want, and you get it back if you will? Is that heaven? Is that the bliss that we seek? I don't know. It's all good questions. I feel like it's all you can do is really try. I just noticed that, you know, taking the approach of if I put it all in faith and trust and everything's going to happen for the best, it seems that it does. Mm -hmm. There's a, what is it? There's a story. I want to see if I can pull this up. It's interesting too, because as you, you say that, right? If I basically put my best foot forward, only the best thing will happen. Um, that's you shaping your perspective, right? And so then you will perceive the goodness that comes, you know, or that, that makes itself available after you've done this thing. Whereas if you're looking for the bad, if you're looking for the negative outcomes, that's what you're going to see too. Yeah. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's all perspective. You know, you, you can open yourself up to a new perspective and then your literal world changes, you know, bringing it back to like regulating your nervous system. When you are in a more of a sympathetic or a fight or flight state, what you're actually seeing with your eyes, what you're hearing with your ears changes versus when you're in a more relaxed state. So true. I really want to find this story because I, it's so good. I'll try to remember it. Um, it's something along the lines of like a guy was born and he went through life and he was unhappy because he didn't have a wife. So whenever he died, he talked to God and was like, Hey, you know, in the next life, I want to have a wife. Like the past life, I didn't have one. I want a wife. So he becomes uh, incarnated again and goes through life, has a wife, and then like on their honeymoon or something, she dies. And then he dies, he dies eventually, gets to heaven. He's like, God, what the fuck, dude? Like, I wanted a wife to actually like live with me and like have a full life with. And he's like, okay. So then he gets reincarnated again, has a wife. They have a full life together but he realizes that they can't get pregnant or have kids. So then he ends up dying, goes back to God and God's like, what's wrong now? He's like, you know, I, I had the wife and it was great, but like we wanted kids and we couldn't have any kids. So God's like, all right, go do it again. And so then he gets born again, he gets married, has a kid, kid dies in childbirth. And then the cycle repeats. And it's like this story that goes on and on and on about how you keep having these desires of okay well it wasn't exactly how i wanted it this time oh it wasn't exactly how i wanted it this time let's go again let's do it again and that story to me really pulled back this idea of like 
examining the desire that you want because you never really know all of the strings that will come attached to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I want a video to go super viral and get 4 million views. Okay, well, are you ready for all the nasty comments where they're going to call you an idiot? Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't want that part? Well, why didn't you specify that? Yeah. Specify that. And then you're like, okay, fine. Well, this time I want 4 million, but no one's like calling me names. And then so you get something else. But then there's like another little element of it that you don't exactly like. And so you play this endless game with yourself. That's just a never ending circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that's, that's a really interesting point. You know, you don't know what you want. Um, and you, yeah, your expectations, like you can really suffer through them. Yeah. We're at three hours. Oh, that flew. Right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Thank you for coming, man. Breaking in the studio. Yeah. Um, good luck as you continue down this path and, you know, talking through things that are giving you that deeper sense of fulfillment and aligning with yourself. Well, I know this conversation did. Yeah. Same for me. Do you have anything uh, you want to say to the guests or the, not the guest, you're the guest, the audience or encouragement, last words of encouragement, anything you want to plug? I'll throw your links down in the description. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram right now, tyler.being and pittsburghtub.club. Uh, check us out. And if you're in the area, if you're within the Pittsburgh area, please come through to one of our events on Wednesday night. We would we would love to have you. Um, it's really important that every single person uh, that hears this take it upon themselves to start addressing the discomfort that they face in their lives and connecting with themselves first. Um, let go of your grip of your whatever you're identifying with and instead sit with yourself in the angst sit with yourself in the discomfort give yourself that stillness let yourself connect back to your intuition and as you start to make action that aligns with you and i'm speaking from direct experience it has been an amazing last couple of years taking steps in a direction that actually matter for me of how unbelievable connections have just opened up even as much as just being on this podcast right now. You know, this wouldn't have happened if I kept the career uh, that I was in and I would maybe be financially more stable and soul empty. So That makes two of us, man. Yeah. Take it upon yourself. Connect with yourself first. You heal from the inside. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Conscious Monkeys, you heard it here first. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And as always... I will, if you don't come to Tub Club, which you should, honestly, I should like just fly out to come visit Tub Club, buy a plane ticket. If you don't buy a plane ticket, that's totally cool because I know that we will run into each other in the sixth dimension. 